Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 51 called Sonera. So guys, this episode, I'm proud to partner with Conceivabilities, a leading surrogacy and egg donation agency that has been around for 24 years with thousands of babies born. Conceivabilities prides themselves on matching intended parents with the perfect surrogate or egg donor. They've even trademarked the process they used called Matching Matters. They support the intended parents and surrogates throughout the entire journey, legal, escrow, pregnancy management, insurance, and every other aspect. The Conceivabilities team includes nurses, mental health workers, lawyers, and other professionals to guide the process. If surrogacy or egg donation is part of your journey, make sure to check out conceivabilities.com and make sure to tell them Infertile AF sent you. On this episode, I'm partnering with Extend Fertility, which was founded on the premise that democratizing egg freezing could ultimately change the fertility industry and deliver better results. Their co-founder, Dr. Joshua Klein, who is near and dear to my heart because he was actually my doctor, and you may have heard me interview him in episode 36 of this podcast, is a brilliant, supportive, and overall awesome doctor. And he's a bit of a disruptor because when he observed that IVF's success rate was low for women over 40 and its high cost was disappointing for doctors and patients alike, he took matters into his own hands. He saw the opportunity to help women think more proactively about their fertility, and he founded Extend Fertility, which began offering egg freezing at 40% below the national average. By 2017, they were the largest egg freezing practice in the nation, and today, they've expanded to offer a full range of infertility services, including IVF, in a small practice environment that's more personal, higher quality, and more data-driven. So to make an appointment with Extend or find out more, go to extendfertility.com and make sure to tell them that Infertile AF sent you. Thanks. Hey again. So Sonera is one of the most dynamic and interesting people I've met in a long time. We met in Albany, where we were both there recently lobbying for gestational surrogacy, the Child Parent Security Act. And she was there because she was on a panel because she had a child through surrogacy. And she told her story about how it obviously changed her life for the better and all the, the infertility drama that she had been through leading up to that. So today she's going to tell us her story, which is an incredible story about eight miscarriages, feeling super broken, deep grief, taking time off from work. She gets into having some suicidal thoughts and then she's gonna talk about meeting their surrogate and now she has her daughter Pearl. So it's a beautiful story. She gets really deep and real, grab the tissues. I definitely needed to at some point. So I just wanna thank Sonera for sharing this with us today. And without further ado, this is Sonera's infertility story. Hi, thank you for having me, Allie. My name is Sonera Charles-Pierre. I am a communications <laughs> executive here in New York City. I've been in New York now for about 20 years, originally from Georgia. I am married for now 16 years with my husband, Philippe Charles-Pierre, and we have a four-year-old daughter by the name of Pearl. 
Pearl. So I'll just start by saying you and I met because we were in Albany together and you were there because you were, you were on one of the panels talking about your experience. So just kind of spoiling the, the end of the story, I guess a little bit is you did use a surrogate to have Pearl, but let's talk about how you got there. I would love to hear how you met your husband and if you guys talked about wanting to have children right away and how it like played out for you guys. Yeah, so I met my husband in a really sort of very New York way. <laughs> I was here visiting a friend of mine, and the joke is that I'm originally from Georgia, and the joke is my friend moved to New York and asked me to come visit her, and I was like, gosh, I really don't like New York. And she's like, you know, you're not coming to visit New York, you're coming to visit me. So I came to visit her. Now, being a <laughs> Southerner, um, I'm also very chatty. Uh, I've had family members joke that there there's not a, a wall I haven't befriended. <laughs> and and so being a very chatty Southerner, being on the train one day, I was sitting next to this woman. We struck up a conversation, complete stranger. And she happened to be an event planner for Vibe Magazine. And because we had such a great conversation, she said, you know, if you're still in New York on such and such date, you know, we would love to have you come out. And if you would like to like maybe volunteer to sign in some of our guests, it'd be a really fun experience. It's, you know, it's going to be in the meatpacking district and, mm -hmm. you know, rooftop party. There are celebrities there. And I thought, oh my God, this is actually the cool part about going to New York. Right. Uh, meanwhile, somewhere else, my husband, who is a New Yorker, was being invited by friends who were coming into town for that charity event. And they said, we'd love to see you. Could mm -hmm. you come with us to this charity event? So that's how he and I both ended up at the same place. And we met across a crowded dance floor. <laughs> and and uh, he asked me to dance and we had fantastic conversation. And then it just was kind of one of those things where I enjoyed his, com his company. He enjoyed mine. We would talk for hours. Interestingly enough, I left two days later to go back home and we stayed in touch. Okay. And were you guys talking about long-term stuff or kids? Was that even it, on the it horizon It was still kind of early. It was sort of like, okay. It, okay, oh, oh gosh, we're now in the same city. This is real. Right. You've moved. Um, and so it was really more about just developing our relationship. Neither one of us seemed to be the folks that were like baby focused. Okay. You know, we were just, both of us are more career minded people and we're both super independent. Um, we're also adventurous and we just we just like we're really thinking through what it would be like to be together mm -hmm. once he proposed and we got married then obviously that's when those sort of family conversations happened again neither one of us were pressed about it but we we're also fairly young we we're t when we met we were 25 and we ultimately got married at 29 and about two years into our marriage we went on this really fantastic trip to costa rica mm. and it was the most romantic trip I can imagine taking. Nice. We're literally on rain, you know, on um, horseback in the rainforest, and it's <laughs> raining on us. And it's yeah, you know, we part of the experience was you know you kind of came across this lovely woman who lived near the, you know lived near the rainforest and had this amazing authentic spread for the folks the tourists there as if this wasn't part of the whole package. Sure. You know, and you know we're going to hot springs and mm -hmm. you know we're. On on the beach and there's no television the fruit is like luscious and amazing like everything was just yeah. so sumptuous and, and beautiful and and we were both like i love you no i love you more let's make babies <laughs> and that's kind of like how it happened okay um and and at first it sort of seemed like well gosh that was easy once we decided that we wanted to have children literally two months after that decision i found out i was pregnant wow okay and we were like okay 
oh, this is happening. Wow. Um, and we were super excited and, and giddy and all those things you see in every sort of pregnancy test commercial you could, you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then about, I want to say eight weeks into the pregnancy, I lost the pregnancy. I had a miscarriage. Mm, so sorry. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it was sad and it was, you know, disappointing, mm-hmm. but in talking to a few people and obviously your doctor, they're like, it's, it's very common. And sometimes these things just happen. It's the body sort of like rejecting a, a pregnancy that wasn't viable, mm-hmm. you know, don't worry about it. And so we're like, okay. Right. And, you know, a couple of months later, you know, when I felt emotionally and physically ready to try again, we did. And lo and behold, we were pregnant within like a month okay and we're like okay this is this is okay this is good yeah and i remember we had a a trip planned to visit friends who'd moved to london and when we went to visit them i ended up having a miscarriage on the trip Mm. and we also found out from them that they were expecting on that same trip and they didn't know that we were experiencing this because we didn't share it right okay Um, and i remember being in a play and like it's so hard Literally, this might be a little graphic, but like bleeding through like my pads because it's like so much blood that's been lost in the process, and like trying to be chipper because there are they just expressed this amazing experience for them, and and that was the beginning of me knowing when I'd be pregnant with friends and knowing in my head when I see my friends' kids, knowing how old that child would be. Oh, that's so hard. Yeah, come to term. Mm -hmm. And so, again, that was the second time. I'm a pretty persistent, strong-willed person. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, this is not going to beat me. Yeah. And we tried again. Same thing. Roughly every single time between six to ten weeks would lose the pregnancy mm-hmm. for one reason or another. So after the third one, mm-hmm. we said, okay, something feels like not right, right. here. So we started in, in, in you know, um, doing a little research and working with doctors and going to fertility specialists. My husband was actually really reticent about because he's like, oh, it just feels weird because isn't fertility about the inability to get pregnant? Well, well, as we get pregnant and he, we, we were like struggling with the way that doctors even think about mm-hmm. fertility issues, um, at least at the time. And from our experience, it was always about and their, and their focus always seemed about how to get us pregnant and never really about how to help us maintain a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so, but I got caught up in like the hype and the way the doctors were thinking about it, and they right. did all the genetic testing. And, yeah, you know, we actually had um, that last fetus, the the genetics of that fetus tissue tested. And right. What nothing, were they finding? Nothing. Like nothing. They're like, from what we can tell, this is still very early, but from what we can tell, there's none of the usual genetic markers for issues that okay are are usually the case that they're used to. Right. And you're still pretty young at this point, right? Yeah. Like late twenties, early thirties. I'm like thirty three. Okay. At this point. Yeah. And I had the same thing as you where I wasn't, I didn't have a problem getting pregnant, but I had a problem staying, staying pregnant. pregnant. I had four miscarriages and it's it was so the same thing. It was just, for me, it was age because I was okay. over 35, but yeah, it was the same kind of thing where they were like, everything looks good on paper, but the egg quality for me. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't even, they really couldn't figure it out. Now I will say that I did learn that I did have fibroids, mm-hmm. but the doctor wasn't that concerned because she was like, plenty of women have fibroids mm-hmm. and are able to get pregnant, maintain their pregnancies, and actually deliver. Um, usually it's more delivery that tends to be a challenge um, because it's just more painful, but they didn't think that was a problem based on the position of the fibroids and the size of the fibroids. Now, the ironic thing is with every pregnancy, there's lots of estrogen, lots of hormones, and those were feeding into mm-hmm. fibroids. So ultimately I decided right. to have a hysteroscopy 
and had the fibroids removed. Okay. So that took about a year off between having that procedure and again, getting yourself physically, mentally, emotionally prepared to try again. But clean bill of health, actually people were like, your uterus is like perfect. It's amazing. It's a beautiful it's a uterus. Beautiful, beautiful uterus. A uterus. A uterus. <laughs> we just invented a word. I, I love you it. You have uterus. a beauterus. A uterus. And so there was no scar tissue. Like literally there was nothing physiologically like wrong. And, and so he's like, go for it. And, and the doctor was like, and I have such great statistics from women who've had these procedures that go on and have very healthy pregnancies. I feel like you're just, the next one's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And, and sure enough, got pregnant and it was not great. Although it lasted a little bit longer, which of course leads to more hope. And so I didn't have mm-hmm. the usual six to eight weeks. It was more like a 10 or 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. Had and, you guys heard the heartbeat at that point? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We definitely heard the heartbeat. Yeah. Um, or if I'm going to be really careful, the cardiac activity. Oh, interesting. Why um, do you say that? Because of all the issues around heartbeat bills in the South. In terms oh, of interesting. Okay. The other side of the, of the coin gotcha. of this, right? Okay. So yes, we had definitely heard cardiac activity. And so it was, everything seemed fine and it just kept happening and kept happening. And it, to the point where I finally made it through the first trimester and thought I finally did it. We finally did it. And going in for the 13th, the 13th week, the last week, the doctor was like, okay, I'm going to send you off to an OBGYN because you're no longer a fertility mm-hmm. um, patient. And in that particular one, I had that really great experience where the person conducting the sonogram gets quiet, you know, and I was like, Mm-hmm. Do this again. Mm-hmm. When they, they leave the room, they leave the Let room. Me go get the doctor. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, this is never good. Oh. And uh, that one was hard. Yeah. This one, I thought I, I thought I finally made it. That it, right. whatever was the challenge, it was now overcome. And I, I haven't. I that one. I took that one really hard. Yeah. What number was that? So I know you this, had this one was multiple. the seventh. Oh my gosh. One at this Sarah. point. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So what, just big picture wise, while all this is going on, how are you and your husband doing? I mean, was this hard on you guys or so you know, the, how were you handling it? It was very hard on us. And I will say it was hard on us because he was, we've, we've talked about this since, we didn't talk about it at the time. He was going through his own loss mm-hmm. and his own grief, but he didn't want to show that to me because I was grieving and I was physically, you know, scarred and emotional, mm-hmm. you know, and so he was so busy trying to be strong and he would try and say things that in theory should be comforting. Like we can stop. We don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. You're enough for me. I don't, if we've never had any children. That is okay. We will have a full life together. And so I didn't have the pressure of a spouse wanting this and mm-hmm. putting pressure on me, but it had the opposite. So I'm like, but you need to be in this with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I need you to feel like this is important as I think this is important. I want you to have the fire around this that mm-hmm. I have, you know? And so that sort of difference of, of feeling around mm-hmm. it created mm-hmm. a lot of tension. The same exact thing. <laughs> I did. I really did. Yeah. I know that feeling. And and so, the, so, but around the fifth or sixth loss, I actually started investigating gestational carrier. And he was like, weird science. Mm. No. <laughs> Mm-mm. 
weird science, not yeah, that mm-hmm. seems weird to me. Mm-hmm. And expensive and just can't wrap my brain around it. Right. It feels there I had ethics issues around it. I want to make sure women are 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 taken care of in this. I don't really understand because we were I was looking at like India and like places like that. Sure. And he was like, mm. Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns, too. Yeah. Did you know anybody who had used a gestational carrier? I didn't. Carrier? No. I didn't. And and so that was the reason why I kept doing it. Because if my husband's not going to, is not going to support us having an alternative, then I guess I got to keep trying to make this happen for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had so many, because I just kept going, I want a child and I'm going to keep trying until it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Your body goes through so much. Was was there ever a point where the doctor or anybody said, you know, maybe you should look at something else? Or, I mean, the, well, the funny thing is, I, I I've shared this piece before. I had a uh, wild cornell geneticist basically say, maybe you've just rolled snake eyes. Mm-hmm. You said that in Albany. Yeah, yeah you know, and it, yeah. and it was like, wait, I'm sorry, am I not in like one of the top facilities right. in the country? Right. And that is your medical diagnosis for what I'm going through? Snake eyes. Right. But because of that, because it was so undiagnosed, because it was unexplained infertility, there is this sort of, okay, well, then the next one could take. No one's saying why it won't. So why why couldn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so that kind of plays its own sort of role from a mental standpoint. But as I was sharing about the the one where we made it all the way to the first mm-hmm. trimester, I felt broken mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do with my grief. I had to take time off from work. I had very suicidal thoughts. Mm. I Because even though my husband wasn't putting pressure on me, he's amazing with children. Mm-hmm. And every time I saw him interacting with this child, I felt like I was in the way. Mm. of him being have fulfilling his destiny to be a father yeah so were you blaming yourself oh i i was like I, there's something wrong with me there there's you know i'm not i'm def, i'm defective mm-hmm. i'm you know whatever i was so hard on myself mm. and and it was all me like there was nothing that my husband was saying or doing right. at all except being lovely right and and I think as women, though, we're, we are really hard on ourselves and sometimes the hardest on ourselves than yeah. anybody else's. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I, then I started seeing a counselor mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, the, the fertility um, clinic that I was going to had some people that they recommended. And so I started going to, you know, a grief counselor mm-hmm. specific to pregnancy loss. Okay. That's good. It was, that was, that that was, it was helpful. She gave me a way to say goodbye I mean, cause I, I literally had like drawers full of sonograms mm. and, and I didn't want to let them go. Right. And so. Did you, do you or do you still have them? I still have, yeah. I still have them, but they, I put them in this little, um, we found like a way to have like a ceremony and I put them in this little, um, like porcelain bird. Oh, cool. And there's like a little hole in it and you can just sort of put them in there. Okay. And so I was able to do that. And I'll tell you, I'll come back to that in a okay. minute. Okay. And so that helped me sort of move on. Mm-hmm. And then at this, move on from the idea of me being the way that we would have our family. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I went back to my husband and I kind of gave an ultimatum and, and said, I'm, I'm going to explore this and I need to understand whether or not you want to be a part of it or not, because you don't have to. Mm but I'm going to do this. 
Interesting. So were you willing, and you don't have to answer this, you don't want to, but like to go, you know, with do it without him? Yeah. For real? Like and I mean, the mental, break up the or, mental state that I was in, yeah. I was willing to be like, it's more important for yeah. me to have a child at this yeah. point. And whether you want to be a part of it, meaning do you want to provide your your sperm or do I need to go to a sperm donor? Right. I didn't really think of it. Like, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> right? Sure. Right? I was, yeah. like, very focused on having yeah. a child. And it was like, I this Laser is how I'm going me. to have a child. And, okay, so you don't want to you don't want to do this. But what does that mean? Like, can, can we stay married and I have someone else who sperm mm-hmm. and I pay for it, research it, go with, you know. Right. And so can you tell me too a little bit about that feeling? Cause I had the same, we have so many parallels in our story. Like I had that feeling too, where I couldn't, I wanted to not want it so badly. Cause I was like ruining my relationship yeah. and it was making things so hard. Yep. And at one point I was like, I wish I didn't want this so much, but yeah. I couldn't not want it. Yeah. Does that make sense it, to you? It completely, okay. it so took me how, over. Yeah. And I think that's when my husband was like, can we get off this no, train? I, yeah. I know I'm like getting emotional because it's, <laughs> I remember that feeling and like, it was like the easy way out would just be like, cause I had my daughter already. This was my secondary infertility. The easy way out would have been like, we're fine moving on. But I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not move on. Yeah. And like, it seems like you had a, a I, bit of that yeah. as well. Yeah. And it was, um, I joke that I was like very Malcolm X about it by any means necessary. <laughs> like, oh my God, just, I love you. <laughs> you know, and like, it was like, that is like what was happening. Yeah. And my husband was like, do you even hear yourself right now? Like, I really want you to understand, like, are you like for real? And, and so we had, you know, crying, mm-hmm. you know, um, conversation yep. and, and, and he said, can we, can we just, can you give me some more time? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't have more time. Cause at this point right. I'm 38. Okay. Yeah. And, and I said, I don't, we don't have more time. And I said, my eggs are going to continue to get old. And, and I joked, I said, my eggs are about to have crutches, about to have canes right now. Oh my God. You know? And I was like, we can't, we can't, we can't do it. And he, and I said, how about this? And this was the deal we made at 38. How about we freeze our embryos to literally freeze time, mm-hmm. to give you time mentally to get where you want to get mm-hmm. in terms of feeling comfortable with this next step, but we still have the eggs of my 38-year-old self mm-hmm. that we're working with. Right. And that was the deal we made. Okay. And so I, I we did that. We put the conversation on the shelf mm-hmm. about, our, our, about our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I... We bought this. We were getting. We were in the process of buying our current home, which is a brownstone in, in Bed Stuy, mm-hmm. a neighborhood of Brooklyn. And I remember we were like, we'd come. We narrowed it down to like two different brownstones, were very very different. And one was like a little bit of a fixer up or needed a little bit of something, but it was in still pretty good shape. And another was like spit sharp, beautiful modern, ready to like, go, ready to go, perfect. Mm-hmm. And it had like a driveway, so we didn't have to worry about the Brooklyn parking issue. And, uh, but it was on like a sketchier part of the neighborhood still. And this was on a beautiful wide street. And my husband's like, I don't know about the new one. And I'm like, really? It's so modern. It seems so used. Like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't feel a connection to it, but I felt a connection to the other one. And then he says to me, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> he's like, I can see raising kids in this house. And I was like, you can? <laughs> where, where do I sign? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know? And, yeah. And, um, Pen, please. Yeah, like here we go. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so, and here we are, and we're in that brownstone in, right now <laughs> where you are raising your daughter, raising Pearl. daughter. Okay. And she is running up and down the stairs. Uh, and, and so that's great. Yeah. So that was, but, but I got pregnant again mm. and I thought, Oh, without the embryos naturally. Without, yeah. Naturally. Okay. And I thought, okay. Maybe that was a turning was, point, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We bought the house. Maybe this is like serendipitous. Mm-hmm. It was like timing. It's like we weren't really trying, trying. It just sort of like right. happened. This is what they're talking about. Yeah. You know? The universe. Yeah. Responded. And I knew which room was going to be the nursery. Like I mm-hmm. had all of that planned and we we're going to have a, we're going to, and so happened our 10 year wedding anniversary was coming up. So it was like perfect. We got our brownstone, 10 year wedding anniversary. I'm pregnant and we were in the, and it would have been 12 or 13 weeks at the time of the, of the party. Mm. And we're, we're going to tell all of our friends and family at our housewarming party, we're gonna, our mm. anniversary was housewarming party. And it was like stars on the Right, right, right. You know, and right, it was right. like, everything was like, oh my God, lined up. And literally like the week before the party went in for the sonogram. This one was, I think 11 weeks. And no more heartbeat. Oh my gosh. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm-mm. And so that this, you know, this is 40. I said, okay, I'm not doing this to myself anymore. This is the eighth. Yeah. Miscarriage over a 10 year period. Wow. And I'm not doing this to myself anymore. And husband's like, agreed. It had been two years, almost two years since we did the freezing decision. And so he was getting ready to start his own business. He said, well, we're not getting any younger, Mm -hmm. right? Like, (laughs) and, and so he said, okay, I'm going to start my business. So if we go broke from both ventures, then I guess we go broke from both ventures. Mm -hmm. And it was like. You know, the heaven saying and like whatever. And and I, and it was, it helped me sort of get past the room that I never walked in. So I didn't walk into that room for a long time. The room that was a nursery Mm. was the house was furnished from like, (laughs) had you decorated the nursery or it was just reserved? It was just reserved. Okay. And right. And there was nothing in there hardly at all. And I refused because he's like, well, let's make it into an office. Let's, I'm like, no, I didn't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we went on, on this journey, we, we did more research, found out about, this is when we found out about New York having the ban on compensated gestational carrier right. surrogacy. And, and so I was like, what the, and right. our, and our, our uh, fertility clinic said, well, we have a sister clinic in New Jersey okay. and it's legal there. Mm-hmm. We can take all your files and medical right. stuff and transport it to right. that practice, but we can no longer work with work you. with you knowing what right. your next So New York, are. we should just tell people that might not know, is one of three states where it's illegal. The other two states are Michigan, Michigan and, and Louisiana. Louisiana. So then we, you know, started, you know, looking through and working with our, our and so I, I took a slightly non non traditional path and didn't work with an agency, but I did work with our fertility clinic because they had a a surrogacy practice because so many New Yorkers came 
to their practice. Okay. So thankfully, New Jersey is not super far from New York. I mean, depending where you live. Baskin Ridge. It was still like a two-hour drive. Yeah. But but it's doable. And we're both professionals. We weren't, neither one of us had like hourly shift work where we were losing pay to do this. Where, you know, some other folks may not have that same luxury. So we were lucky that we can do those sort of things. And yeah. And so they're like, well, here's, here are the guardrails around the type of you know, women, they need to be this age, this BMI, they have to have had their own biological child, they have to go through this sort of testing, their spouse has to sign off on it, we have to meet their spouse, their spouse has to have medical, like they go through all these mm-hmm. lists of things and guardrails to put in place. They have to be at a certain, they have to have a certain like compensation level where they can't be poverty, you know, right. like this can't be sort of like a, this is how we're going to make our money. Right, right. Um, things, so there's all The, the these, vetting is very thorough. The, on the vetting agency. is unbelievably and then thorough. did you guys have a list of criteria on your, on your side as well? So for me, I wanted to work with a state that had the pre-birth order. So for, for those who don't understand what that means is a lot of states, while they, uh, they allow compensated gestational surrogacy, the state's law still aren't super advanced or caught up to that yet. So oftentimes you'll have to, the birth mother, so the, the person that you paid to carry your embryos for you would be the name on the birth certificate and you'd have to petition the court to have your the, the birth certificate changed to have you and your husband's name, even though both of you, or at least one of you, are biologically connected mm-hmm. um, to the child. Mm-hmm. So Ohio was one of the states that's actually fairly progressive in a lot of ways in that, and you can get a birth order, a pre-birth order. So we could petition the court in advance to make sure that as soon as our child was born, our names would be the names that would come up, that they would put on the birth certificate. Mm -hmm. It sounds... But in Ohio? So did your baby have to be born in Ohio? Yes. Okay. And so... The surrogate would be from New Jersey or Ohio? So that's... This is where it gets really tricky. Um, And so what we had to do is we found found a surrogate. Her, Her name, she's super open. Her name is Sarah. And she lives in Ohio with her husband. And so what we had to do is we did one of those like online... You know, we talk, we have phone conversations. Did she and I talk? We connected, we made sure like the four of us talked. Mm -hmm. We set up a time for my husband and I to fly out to Ohio to meet them in person. We all thought this was like a a great sort of relationship match. Mm -hmm. We all seemed like it felt like a good personality fit. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just all agreed like we're going to do this. Was she the first one that you found that you took it that far? Yes, yes. And other people, it was, it's, you know, it's like, this is going to sound so bizarre, but it's kind of like dating. No, right? yeah. Like, you're not the first person that said that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you talk to someone and you have a couple conversations. You're like, mm, right. And really did race it. matter to you at all? So that's a great question. So yes, and I'll give you an example. So there was one young woman who was in a Southern state. I can't remember which one. She was very young. So that also, that automatically gave me a little bit of a red flag. I'm like, she may have had her own children, but there's still a maturity level that I want to make sure this person really understands what they're what they're embarking on with us. And I asked her just basic questions like, how is, is your family supportive of you doing this? She's like, well, yeah. And she seemed very evasive. Mm. And I said, well, obviously, as I've shared, my husband and I are African-American um, and you're white. Is your family going to have any concerns with that? Because in, in my head, I'm like, I want to make sure this person is wrapped around All in. in a loving, yep. caring, supportive environment. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, well, you know, I just won't deal with those family members. Mm-mm. And I thought, Mm-mm. bye. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't want to do this, this to you. I don't want to do this for, yeah. with us. Like, no way. Um, so, yeah, so you're meeting these people and you're walking it through and you're trying to figure out who's going to be a good fit for your mm-hmm. family lifestyle. And so they were just like 
there's just something inherently just so sweet and good about Sarah and Matt. Like just like just this. Oh my God, they're the sweetest couple mm-hmm. ever. Um, and, and Matt's he, goofy and tells still silly jokes and sings Broadway tunes and uh-huh. you know and so it was just like it just worked. Yeah, you just um, clicked with them. Yeah, we and just, it, it just clicked. I think you said in your speech too in Albany, you have a picture of them somewhere yeah. in your home, yeah. right? Like yeah. they're fa- your family. Yeah. Now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. And and so when we. Um, so once we said yes, we're like, yay. Then we had to fly them to New Jersey, which is where our embryos um, were stored. And that's where the doctors would take care of it. And that's where the transfer would happen. Mm-hmm. And that's where we did this twice because they had to fly out for all their medical testing, mm-hmm. all their behavioral and personality testing. We had to have, they had to have their couples counseling around it. We had to have our couples counseling. Then we had to have our group counseling. Wow. And she brought up questions and concerns that each of us individually had so we could talk it out. Wow. And one of the Sarah's concerns was, I hope, I don't want them to be upset with me if it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so we talked through that. Yeah. What did you say to that? I said, oh my gosh, absolutely not. I'm just so thankful that you're willing to go on this journey with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's completely out of your control. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. And then my husband was really funny. He was like, do you like peanut butter? Because I really want you to eat peanut butter. Because I really don't want a kid with a peanut allergy. Because I really love peanut butter. <laughs> I was like, I don't think it works. I'll eat Philippe. But... Philippe. That's all. <laughs> you know? And so, like, there were, like, all these, like, silly things. But it's funny. They talk about diet. Mm-hmm. Because what if someone is a meat eater, but the, the intended parents are vegetarians? Do you want that? You know, do you want them to eat organic food? versus? I mean, so there's, there's all these really interesting yeah. questions that you don't think about. Right. You know, and so we were sort of saying, like, like you should eat whatever you're happy eating. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's fairly healthy, you right. know, as long as you're not eating, like, you know, McDonald's every day, I think we're right. all good. Yeah. We'll get in your business yeah. in that way. But it was interesting, the level totally. of questions that you have to sort of think through what matters to you. Right. And then it was just, like, sort of making sure we all understood, like, the contract. and Right. Because um, we had to make sure she had her own lawyer and we had our own lawyer and, and that everyone was, like, cool with, with the parameters. We had to have an escrow account, you know, because, again, they won't be taken advantage of. We don't want to take advantage of. We actually had to do something interesting because we hadn't told our families we were doing this. Okay. Except for one person. Mm-hmm. Sorry, two people. And that was my husband's sister and her husband because we have to have someone, almost like a will, that in case something happens to us during this whole process, oh. poor Sarah is not stuck with this child that's not hers right. to take care of. So we have to make sure there's someone that she can give the child wow. to should something happen to us. So those sort of things. Again, it's something you never think yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of kind of crazy. And so when so we told um, my sister-in-law and her husband, we're like, we don't know what's going to happen. But we just want to let you guys know, are you comfortable being our potential child's guardian? And they're like, absolutely, of course. And what's so interesting about Philippe's sister is like she didn't tell anyone because she's not supposed to and her husband didn't either. But she also was very, wanted to be very sensitive and so she didn't ask us how things were going. Mm. And we didn't tell anyone. Mm. So when Sarah and Matt came back to, to New Jersey for the actual transfer, mm-hmm. no one knew anything about it. Mm. We didn't give dates beyond the contract. Okay. And, and so I was in the room with her... Um, when the when the transfer happened and seeing that little light on the screen mm. and uh and and just first sharing with the audience that sarah's an illustrator and so um fast forward this is successful but she she actually drew that moment and sent it to me on her oh tra- my she called gosh. transfer grocery yeah i mean she's ridiculous that's so cool it's so cool and so you chose the right I, people it was clearly. like the it is like yes ah, 
Um, and so my, my husband and I were like, okay. And I remember at that moment, I was so emotional. And I remember after it happened, I just broke down in tears and I just gave her like the longest hug because it is such an unbelievable gift mm-hmm. for someone to do this for you. Mm-hmm. And also it was a long journey. Mm-hmm. And it was like all those years were built up and here's this moment that could change our lives. Mm-hmm. And leading up to it, actually, I wanted to put in two embryos because of our history. Mm-hmm. And my husband was like, new, 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 new. Really? Do not want twins. Meanwhile, I was like, I really want twins. Yeah. So we don't have to do this ever, ever again. I'm sure that was another thing in the contract, right? You had to agree. Yeah. There's, there's and... a whole lot. There's a cost structure involved. Mm-hmm. There's a, are you willing to carry multiples and there's a whole I mean there's all this stuff that you go over the lawyers go over the doctors go over mm-hmm. with them and she was willing to carry multiples my husband was like he was like no he's like well let's ask the doctor and the, doc- <laughs> and the doctor said well she's extremely healthy she's young your embryos are double a great embryo and from your buterus from my buterus <laughs> and um for those who don't wear that double a <laughs> is pretty freaking fantastic yeah she should be part of the Mensa Society, apparently. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he was like, I don't see any reason to put in more than one embryo. Um, it's actually more dangerous to do that. And my husband looked at me like the cat that ate the canary. Right. And I was just like, Doc, because of it with me, you know? Your husband sounds like a character. <laughs> he is. Yeah. And, um, and so we found out two weeks later that Sarah was, in fact, pregnant. And we're like, okay. <sighs> Let the games begin because our history showed us that pregnancy, you know, pregnancy doesn't necessarily mean baby. Right. Right. So getting pregnant wasn't their big hurdle. Right. But when they tell you 30% likelihood, it does feel like a bit of a like, okay. Mm -hmm. So one embryo, first transfer took. And so months ago, months ago on, we check in. She sent me progress pictures. Right. You know, we, we, the doctors kept us looped in and on their reports that she was getting from her own clinic mm-hmm. to keep us connected. Were you guys and, like FaceTiming or anything in appointments? We or was didn't that do FaceTime. No, we just, we did a lot of um, like calls and texting and photo sharing. Mm-hmm. She would send me sonograms mm-hmm. because I couldn't be at every, every appointment because she's in Ohio. Right. And so that was the other frustrating part. Speaking of those the, you know, women in New York who aren't going to have that luxury, you know, that's the part where I really felt saddened um, that I wasn't able to be as connected to the experience as mm-hmm. I could be. You're, you're already abdicating something so special to someone else. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm already missing out on the experience of being pregnant. Um, so can I at least be, you know, more connected to it and then, and finances and timing just mm-hmm. to, doesn't, don't allow for that. So I had to pick an appointment. So I picked a 20 week appointment to, to fly in and be mm-hmm. a part of. So you went out to, I went Ohio. out to, have, yeah, okay. to experience that and like went to lunch and, mm-hmm. you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when you made it, sorry, just backtracking yeah. a little bit, when you made it past the point that you'd never made it past before. So that 13 issue, I was, it's so, how did that, did, were you able to sigh relief no, or not really? No, because I wasn't going to be really relieved until that baby was in my arms. Mm-hmm. And, and so, cause I know anything and I had friends who lost pregnancies in the second and third trimester for a random reason. So I, Mm-mm. Nope. And so because we hadn't told anyone yet, now we're now going into first trimester. Mm. Yay. Second trimester. Great. So once seventh, the seventh month came along, I was like, um, Philippe, do you think that maybe we should tell someone? Right. And he's like, mm, 
I really don't want to yet. I kind of, yeah. I'm like, like, we literally can't show up with, with a baby, baby and our, like into our, with our families. And, and so we, we kind of like talked it through, but meanwhile, all these months, my mom and I talk on a regular basis normally. And I was like afraid that I would spill the beans. Right. And so my, this is my conversation with my, with my mom for like six months. Hi, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you doing? Great, great. Okay. Hey, you know, mom, listen, um, yeah, everything's good. Great. Uh, work's good. You're good. John's good. Okay, good. All right, gotta go. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> because I was just like, I'm going to tell her, I'm going to tell her, I'm right, going to tell right, her. Right. And it was like the worst thing ever. And I, in hindsight, I was like my mom about it. She's, I knew something to Southern. I knew something was up, but I just knew you weren't ready to tell me yet. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, and so, um, oh my God. And so I was like, okay. So come around the seventh month, we decided to share mm-hmm. with our families that Sarah's seven months along. And his family was like, you did, his mom was like, you did what? <laughs> She's like very dramatic Caribbean woman. Okay. And she was just like, oh, 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 you know, and <laughs> couldn't believe it. And my mom, of course, was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, right. something big. Right, right. And um, she's like, well, I want to meet this person who's doing this for my daughter. Yeah. And uh, so we planned for my mom, who's in Georgia, to, like, fly up wow. um, to New York. And it's we we um, we um scheduled it around Sarah's parents coming into town. And so we all met up. And oh we had gosh. lunch in Ohio with Sarah's mom and dad, Matt, mm-hmm. myself, and my mom. Mm-hmm. And everyone just sort of talked mm-hmm. about the experience and, you know, asking each other's questions, getting to know the families a little bit wow. better. And my mom was like beaming. She was just so excited, yeah. you know, for us because it had been years of right. sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she knew how important this was to me. And just she she expressed how thankful she was mm-hmm. to Sarah for doing this. And we have these really cute little pictures of us on that day. And Sarah's huge about yeah. to pop because she's about eight months along at this point. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I'm like grinning from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. Philippe is grinning from ear to ear in all the photos. And it's just like so amazing and mm-hmm. so magical. And, um, and so I remember that Pearl was uh, supposedly due January 5th. Mm-hmm. Did you know the gender at this point? Yes, because we did genetic testing on all the embryos. So we knew that okay. we, we'd put in a girl. Mm-hmm. And so I, that why we were sort of like thinking about the names. We were, you know, getting excited, thinking about them. We had like the bag packed, getting ready to think about like the flight out there. And I had my schedule with my team to go through the uh, transition plan because I'm thinking next week I'm going to be out. So let's start right. having these conversations. And that morning, get a phone call from Sarah. And this is December 28th. Okay. And uh, she said, yeah, I think it's happening. Oh. And, you know, I'm like a sitcom dad. I'm like, oh, my Right. I'm like uh, running around, you know, like, and I'm like giddy and I'm like, I'm like excited. And my husband like grabs my hands between his hands and he gets me to stop and pause in front of him, in front of him. And he said, do you, what do you think you should do first? And I was like, <gasps> and there's like tears mm-hmm. going down my eyes. And I'm just like, um, uh, take a shower. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, book a ticket. Um, and the the part about this is kind of important is I worked for an airline at the time and and I was like right right yeah need to get there need to do that need to do that so I go online Mm -hmm. and look up to see what the nearest flights are I think it's like 7 30 in the morning at this point and I was like you think we can make an 8 an 8 30 flight Mm -hmm. he's like I want you to think about that for a second (laughs) it's it's 7 35 no I don't think we're gonna make an 8 30 flight I'm like okay right 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 and I was like, nine. He's like, mm. <laughs> and I saw like a 10 o'clock flight. He's like, 
okay. Yeah. And so we were like, like, like running around and, and I almost put us down for standby because I work for an airline. I can do that. But something told me, he was like, I don't know, Samara, I think we should just take it because we saw the next flight between New York and Columbus. It was, it's not one of those the locations or destinations that has an hourly flight. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm looking through different airlines to see. Mm-hmm. And the next flight, direct flight we could get was like four o'clock in the afternoon. Oh no. And so he's like, why don't you just buy it? And we're just like, we'll just have to suck it up. Yeah, just add it to yeah. the list of yeah. costs yeah. this far, right? And so we bought it, and it turned out we literally bought the last two seats. It was a sold-out wow. flight. We would not have made it on if we'd done standby. Wow. And we would have missed Pearlsburg. So what was the, all joking aside, I mean, there, there probably was a legitimate fear that you were going to miss it, yes. right? So that's, yes. I think that's another thing to think about with the surrogacy laws, that there was a woman in my advocacy group who had missed her daughter's birth by eight oh. hours. And she was like, I'm never going to get that back. And she was like, it just pisses me off. It didn't need to be like that, yeah. you know? And that, that made me so sad. So tell me about that. Like, what was it like on the flight? And like, it was like, I, was, I mean, I, I would have been like, it was like another, I would, and it was like an outer body experience, right. right? Like I'm just sort of like, Oh my God, we're going to get, you know, so we land, we like run and get a cab, right. go straight to the, you know, to the hospital. They didn't bother trying to get a hotel room. Just like straight, straight there. Meanwhile, we learned from Sarah that they'd offer like Pitocin to sort of speed through mm-hmm. um, contractions. She said, no, Oh, I want to make sure her parents have time to get here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm telling you this woman, mm-hmm. God bless her. And, and so we get there, things had slowed down. I gave, I guess I gave her something to actually slow them. Then it's, can you do something to slow? Anyway, things that slowed down. I okay. Know, I don't know. I had two scheduled C-sections. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, I have no idea. Somehow, some way, either through divine intervention or medical intervention, her contractions had slowed down and we got there and her mom was there. Her dad was there. He happens to be a counselor and slash minister. Her mm-hmm. mom um, was in the room with her. Yeah. So Philippe and I show up and we're like, okay, like what do we miss? And they're like, no, we're, no, we're good. Oh, yeah. You know, and um, they're like, okay. It was one of those labor and delivery rooms that are like really big and it's like a couch on the side and that you're allowed to have up to three people in the room with you. Um, once you're in active labor. Mm-hmm. And so we all just like, again, had this moment of connection and talking and sharing and mm-hmm. just getting to know each other a little bit more between her parents and Philippe mm-hmm. and I. And it was just this warm, loving, like amazing connectedness experience mm-hmm. that I can't really find mm-hmm. the right words for. And so at one point the doctor comes in and says, oh, you're fully, you're dilated. Like, okay, showtime. Mm. And my and Flip goes, exit stage left. <laughs> so he leaves because, again, there's only so many people that can be in here. And he had no problem being the one who leaves. Sure. So he left. And then um, her father had left earlier. And so it was Matt, her husband, her mom, Cindy, and myself. And so I'm off to the side. And Cindy's right next to Sarah at, at her her left knee. And her husband's holding her her left hand. And I'm just kind of like standing off to the side with like my hands mm-hmm. under my chin. And I'm kind of like anxiously looking around, not knowing what to do with myself. And the doctor's now, you know, you know, right between her, her knees and everything's about to happen. And at one point, Cindy, Cindy looks over her shoulder. And this is Sarah's mom again. And she goes, Sanera, come on over here. This oh. is your baby. And so I was like, okay. And so I walked around oh. and I got Sarah's right knee and I'm holding her right knee. Her mom's holding her nef- left knee and her husband's holding her hand. And we were there as 
she pushed Pearl oh. into the world. And so good. I had such an amazing realization that unlike most mothers, I had that sort of amazing experience of literally seeing Pearl come into the world. Mm-hmm. And I have no words. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have no words for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so much wrapped into that moment and seeing her and looking at Sarah and thanking her for doing, oh my gosh, I'm getting so emotional, thanking her for helping us put an end to just really painful chapter mm-hmm. um, of our lives. You're making and, me cry. <laughs> and, um, oh. yeah. So yeah. they did the whole thing with the, the nurses, you know, mm-hmm. get around the baby and clean her up. Mm-hmm. And, and then they said, you know, want to do chest to chest and skin to skin. And so they put Pearl inside my chest. And it was the first time that I got to feel her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And feel her heartbeat yeah. against my heart. And just have that little baby next to me in a way that I just hadn't had the experience of. Mm-hmm. And that's so amazing. Yeah. And. Yeah, and I remember Philippe came running in, and, and he was sitting there. And my husband is the most stoic person you'll ever meet, and he even had like tears in his eyes. Oh, maybe because she, turns out she looks just like him. And I was like, of course. <laughs> I'm like, I fight for you to be here, and you end up looking just like your dad. I'm looking at a picture of her on your wall. A couple of pictures. She is so cute. Oh my god, the happiest little girl. She is the happiest little girl. I think that's such an interesting part of all of these stories that I feel so honored to like get to tell people or to get people to tell just all these babies are so wanted. Yeah. You know, and it's such a cool thing that like we've all been through hell and back, but to get to have your kids know how much you wanted them and like how hard you fought for them yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Why am I like bawling? <laughs> it just gets me every time because it's so, I know that feeling of that wanting it so badly. And I'm so happy for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Hey again, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Sonera. I wanted to add a little bit because she alluded to this when we were talking And then she told me after we stopped recording that, so she was telling that story about the little bird that she had slipped her ultrasound and sonogram photos into. And she told me that that little bird, right around Pearl's first birthday, the little bird cracked as if to say, you don't need this anymore. So I thought that was a very cool thing. And you guys know after listening to me for all these episodes that I definitely believe in those signs from the universe. So I thought that was very cool. So thanks again to Sonera and thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you next time.